0: this is a podcast by House church where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon what's going on bible nerds we are continuing our acts 18 conversation now talking about um and Priscilla and Aquila and all the
1: things. All the things. Let me just say, you know, um, this is a Bible podcast and it's probably our most conservative podcast. Um, and so I really don't curse on this podcast very often. <laughs> um, I curse a lot. I don't curse on this podcast very often. And here's my thing with cursing, okay, like curse words. All, I think all words are appropriate in a context, right? This is how I talk about it with my kids. You can say any word you want, but there may be contexts where that word is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And if that word is inappropriate in those contexts, and there are consequences for that word being inappropriate, well, then you got to live with those in the same way I do.
0: I'm sorry. I'm thinking about about South Park and you can't say F in school. Yet. Oh yeah, you can't say F in school, you having Jew. Yeah.
1: That's so funny. Um, sorry. Hey, look, here here's how we view humor around here. Um if you can laugh at other people's expense, you gotta be able to laugh at your own. That's right. I got qualms with South Park because of some episodes they did about Jesus. But you know I think a lot of the other episodes are funny and so You know, you take some. You kind of got to laugh. Just got to take some on the chin. South Park is funny. Um, Words are always appropriate in a context, and what I think is, if if a curse word perfectly appropriates how I'm feeling about something, um, then that's appropriate. (laughs) Me, I'm at a place like I just think that's appropriate. And so, if there's something I want you to know, uh, here's what I need you to know. And I only give that caveat because I think this is the best way to explain how I view this story. Apollos be on his bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Apollos stray be on his bullshit. He really do be on his bullshit with this. All right. So, let's read this. Now, there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. Okay, you got one sentence about this man, and you got a wealth of knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Clayton, what did we learn?
0: So he's a Jew from Ephesus, which means he's far from home. No, no. Now he's a came- Jew in oh, Ephesus. Jew in Ephesus, which means he's a long way from home, period.
1: From where?
0: Of Alexandria, from Egypt. Egypt. So he's a Jew that's born in Egypt and goes to Ephesus. Okay,
1: Clayton. Roughly what year is this happening? Oh, God. 50s. Somewhere around the 50s.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Late 40s, early 50s. Somewhere around there. Have you ever heard of a guy named Origen of Alexandria? Who? Origen? No. Oh. Have you ever heard of a guy named Clement of Alexandria? Yes. Why have you heard that name? Because he was in your master's thesis. Because he was my master's <laughs> yeah. thesis. His spiritual father is Origen. Okay. They're both in Alexandria. Alexandria is in Egypt. Alexandria has the best library and theological school, maybe known to the ancient world, until the year 300. Okay. It probably still has even at the year 300, but you end up getting this divide between the Alexandrians and the Antiochians Mm -hmm. and like that church history, like kind of thing happens. But what I want to say is origin. We're in like the year 50, right? right? Let's just say for simplicity's sake, he's in Corinth. Paul's first letters is first Thessalonians. He, we've already seen him go to Thessalonica. That happens in chapter 17, I think we're probably in, like, the mid-50s right now.
0: So you're thinking Apollos is super well-educated.
1: Oh, Um, there's not a doubt in my mind he's super well-educated.
0: Okay, so super well-educated from? Wealthy. Oh, and wealthy. And wealthy. Okay. Um, And going to Ephesus. And a Jew. And here's the reason that's
1: important. Because Clement is also a Jew. Okay, from Alexandria or has Jewish ties. Maybe that's a better way to say that. Clement's only 150 years later. So I have a question. Yeah.
0: If I may. How is there a theological school in Alexandria if we don't have. <laughs> In the Bible, a record of Christianity going to—is this like predominantly Jewish? Is this general religion kind of? No, this is
1: this is a Jewish thing. This is a Jewish school in Alexandria. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're part of the diaspora. Okay, the dispersed Jews from the Second Temple period. Okay, AD seventy, they kind of get you know that. Okay. Cool. I think what what you're referring to is Paul never goes. Yeah. Paul never goes. Right. But in 8070, when Nero destroys the temple and all the Jews scatter, Mm. yeah, a ton of them settle in Alexandria because of the library. Mm. They all show up because of the library. I got you. Okay. And Alexandria has a long, rich history, as Apollo shows, right? Right. I mean, people are always talking about Alexandria. So... It's a little more complicated than that, but that's kind of an oversimplification for what it's worth. Okay. And he's in, and remember, they're in Ephesus. I cannot explain to you how important it is to note the cities in which these things are happening if you know the context. Ephesus is a strange city that's overrun by a temple to a sex god. And the way in which women are looked at and valued in this city is quite strange. You remember Paul has that really misogynistic comment in one of his letters to Timothy about, I do not permit women to speak or have authority over a man. Well, church tradition has said that Paul wrote that letter to Timothy who was pastoring in Ephesus. You ever read Ephesians? That's written to the Church of Ephesus, and it has one of the most strict household codes that tells women to submit to their husbands. Now it also tells people to submit to one another, but you know, submit the patriarchs. Yeah. yeah. So like you can't miss that piece of where they are. Mm. And this is a Jew named Apollos. Let's talk about his name, Clayton. What's that name? Apollos? A Greek god. Oh. Of the sun. So, who is. What does that tell you about who Apollos is?
0: I mean, we see that he's, he's a, Jew a Jew with a Greek name. A Jew with a Greek name, which means he comes from some sort of Greek origin.
1: He's probably a Roman citizen. Yeah. Wealthy, from Alexandria, probably a Roman citizen, but a Jew. But a Jew. This is what it says. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. There's that educational piece.
0: Well-versed in the scriptures, yeah.
1: Well, in the eloquence, Mm -hmm. right? That's that's both education and money, Mm -hmm. right? Privilege. Verse 25. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. Clayton, do you remember early in the book of Acts? We had a name... For these weird sect of these Jews. The
0: God-fearers.
1: Nope, nope, that's the Gentiles. Mm. Before we were given the name Christians, we called them these things, and you were fascinated by what we called them. People People, of the way?
0: People of the way, Yeah, 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 yeah. People of the way.
1: He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. So he's a person of the way, for whatever that means, that verbiage is still carrying over with a certain type of person, but they have this other word in existence now, this Christian, this little Christ, these believers, brothers and sisters. they got other words to talk about it, and this is the only this is the only other time we've seen it thus far in the book of Acts mm. and they chose to use it, and based on what is happening here, it seems like. It's almost like, hey, bro, you got a little bit of it, but, like, you don't quite get it.
0: It's you're still of, too Jewish. Like, kind of, is what, what I, I don't know if saying. it's I
1: don't know if it's you're still too Jewish, or you still just don't quite grasp the fullness of the Christ narrative in order to be called a Christian. Okay. Maybe that's a better way to communicate it. Maybe it's not that you're still holding mm. on. Like, maybe it's not that it's, you're just Jewish. Yeah. You're still too Jewish, but. Or something. So you're
0: kind of Christian, but not quite there.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to explain it. You're almost there, but not quite. Interesting. Okay, fair enough. Because it says, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Okay, this is important He taught the things of Jesus But he knew only the baptism of John This is problematic Do you care to take a guess why it's problematic?
0: Because when you miss the baptism of Jesus, you miss the the beginning of all of it.
1: True, that's very yeah, that's very true. Approaching this as as the biblical text and why this is problematic as the biblical text is because he only knows the baptism of John. Clayton, when does John die?
0: Well, I think this is written, right? No, no.
1: baptism of john john the baptist my guy oh while jesus is still alive yeah so that means apollos does not know the resurrection yeah he only knows the message of jesus peace right he knows the Sermon on the mount blessed are the peacemakers blessed blessed are the meek blessed are the poor in spirit he knows the, like, pacifism, help others, elements of the faith of Jesus.
0: But he doesn't understand the resurrection. He doesn't know
1: the resurrection because he only knows the baptism of John. He just doesn't oh, quite have all the pieces yet because he had been hanging out in Alexandria. He knew the baptism of John. And is in Alexandria. and He just doesn't quite have it all. He may not have been hanging out in Alexandria, but you get my point. He doesn't have all the pick. He doesn't have the, all the pieces. Verse twenty six. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. The where? The synagogue, not the marketplace. No, no, no the synagogue. Okay, so who is he talking to? Jews and a few godfears Yeah, mostly Jews, people that look like him, but not people that think like him. Yeah, Alexandrians. They think differently. Everything's hyper-spiritualized. They're the ones that make famous allegorical interpretations. Have we talked about allegorical interpretations on this podcast? I don't think so. Okay. Allegorical interpretations are where you take a very real story and you over-spiritualize it into some kind of spiritual meaning. Uh, Historically, Baptists are vehemently against this, (laughs) um, which I always think is so funny because if you ever heard a Baptist pastor preach the sermon... Jesus calm the storm. Yeah. At some point, inevitably, because it's good preaching. Um,
0: They're going to say that this that Jesus can calm the storm in your
1: life. <laughs> hey boy. There you go. Uh, that's an allegorical interpretation. <laughs> yeah. A historical grammatical interpretation of that story is that Jesus is Lord over creation. Yeah. That Jesus is Lord over the storm. It didn't say anything about Lord of the storm of your life. And yet, that's an allegorical interpretation, which we were told in seminary not to do. And yet, every pastor that ever preaches that sermon does that. The Alexandrians did that crap with everything. (laughs) Literally everything. Anytime you see water. You think my water metaphors throughout the Bible are bad? Anytime. Anytime an Alexandrian sees water, baptism. Baptism. Noah, God's purifying the whole world (laughs) with water. That's Alexandrians, bro. Everything's hyper-spiritualized in metaphors. He shows up in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they, now remember, the beginning of 18, we get introduced into this couple, Mm -hmm. and it's Aquila and Priscilla. Mm -hmm. Aquila first, the man, and his wife, Priscilla. Priscilla. Verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla, the wife, and Aquila, the husband, heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately.
0: So this is a passage that we have looked at, I don't know, two or three times since we started these podcasts. Maybe. Maybe. Every time I read this, this, this section of scripture, I am more and more appalled, not appalled, surprised, kind of appalled because of how it happens, but he began to speak boldly in the, in the synagogue but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of the Lord more accurately to him. Like, you just wrong, bro. Like, you, you yeah, just wrong. You
1: just don't got you don't got it quite figured out.
0: Let me help you understand. Let me fill in your gaps. And Priscilla's leading that Priscilla's conversation. Priscilla's leading the charge.
1: Priscilla, the text, Luke is specifically trying to get you to understand that she is in the lead She here.
0: is leading the conversation. It's so interesting That's to That's a me. badass
1: independent woman right there.
0: Badass, strong, independent woman that don't need no man. She don't
1: need no man. He's there because she want him there and he want to be there, not because they need each other. That's, That's the right. way it's supposed to be. Verse 27, and when he wished to cross over to Achaia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On his arrival, he greatly helped those who through grace had become believers. So what do we have here? What that text is telling us is that Priscilla hears him preaching. She takes her husband. They light his ass up a little bit about his false narrative. And then with grace and love, they send him out. They use their network to promote him in the places that he's going. And he reciprocates with grace. Who through grace have become believers. and Then this is what Apollos does. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. Clayton, what does Messiah mean? Savior. This kind of
0: saving entity in
1: the story. Give me a synonym for saving. I don't really like that word.
0: Rescuing. Liberating. Oh, there
1: it is. That L word. Not the love one. The liberating one. You know, one of my favorite Bible translations. I really only use two Bible translations. Uh, I use three Bible translations. The New Revised Standard Version, which is the one I use... On everything Wellhouse Church is always New Revised Standard Version. For my own personal devotions, I also use the Voice Bible. And then, of course, I, like everyone, use translation by Cullenware myself. Um, Now, when I actually mean that, I actually do translate it, but, you know, it's all bias-based and, you know, all the things that we talk about. The Voice Bible translation translates Messiah. That word, as at different places, it says the anointed one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then at other places, specifically in places where it uses the Lord, it translates it the liberating king. Yeah.
0: I've always loved that about the voice.
1: The liberating king. I think that's the piece that Apollos was missing. Apollos was missing that the story of Jesus was about liberation. And that's why when they meet him in Ephesus, he's preaching something about the message of Jesus. But when he leaves, an interaction with Priscilla a badass woman. He's preaching a message of Messiah. He's preaching a message of liberating king.
0: Well, you you also have to understand that like he's hearing this story probably third or fourth hand about Jesus, right? And so Uh
1: yeah, that's a great point. I don't I don't know
0: he's hearing this story from somebody who heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody who who lived in Jerusalem.
1: Or unless he was there. I mean, he's clearly traveling around. Yeah, he may have
0: been there for some of it. But, like, this is a piece that, like, he doesn't obviously get to see all of. Right. And so he sees Jesus as this great teacher. Maybe he's there for the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe... Maybe he just he heard about it. just heard about it. Maybe he heard about some of Jesus' miracles or something. He gets this general idea that Jesus was this great teacher and this great holy man. A wise sage, a wise sage. And yeah, why wouldn't you want to follow this guy and listen to his teachings? But you don't hear about the resurre- the death and resurrection piece. Which is where Priscilla and Aquila step in. Oh, here's the piece of the story that you didn't hear. Here's the piece of this. That maybe you don't understand. This is much larger than, than what you're saying. More accurately. Not correcting wrongs. Just let me tell you more of the story so you can make it better in your own brain. Jesus is God who walked among us. Now how do you feel about the narrative that you're spouting? How can that change? Oh no, Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is liberating.
1: And so we should feel liberated by his message.